Thank you for joining us today at Christian Worship Center. We pray that the word given would be able to bless you and all those who hear it. To discover more about our church, visit our website at cwcirvinky.com. Thank you again for joining us. Now prepare your heart for today's message. I want to start a series called Champions of Faith. And I want to, where we're going to base this from is the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you have spent much time at all studying the Word of God, and particularly the New Testament, most likely you're familiar with the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. And uh, the faith chapter contains the narratives and, the, and has character studies of many of the great heroes of the Bible. And I want to start with Abel today. And Abel takes us back to the earliest times in scripture all the way back to genesis and i want to talk of and i want to to bring into bring into clarity to bring some sense into the story of abel it's like it's like a story that seems to get cut off very short because of what happens we all know the story of cain and abel but i don't necessarily want to focus in on the, the, the way his life got cut short. What I want to focus in on is the fact that the Holy Spirit decided to place him in this great hall of fame. I don't know if any of y'all, I'm not in the hall of, hall of fame. I'm hoping one day maybe if they had a middle school coach's hall of fame, maybe somebody will elect me one day and I'd be a part of that. I hope so. You know, he may have got any voting power. maybe. But I'm not a part of a Hall of Fame right now. I'm not a member of any Hall of Fame, never made an acceptance speech. But you know something? It, 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 people don't get in the Hall of Fame without significance. Right? People do not get inducted in the Halls of Fame without significance from their, from their achievements. You know, it's a, it's a very big deal, you know, for guys to get, or, or ladies to get inducted in the halls of fame. And the Bible, this chapter contains a hall of fame. And I think there is much, if there is a person mentioned in this chapter, I think it bears reading and it bears study and it bears thinking through it. Okay? And that's what I want to do today. If you've got your Bibles, turn me to the book of Hebrews. And uh, I want to thank you. Wonderful worship service this morning. Wonderful, wonderful prophetic words that, that God brought forth. I'll tell you what, and I'm going to do this even more, guys. I'm using a lot of my young, young men and young women in these services. Y'all see we do that. And we've got, a, we've got a tremendous group of young people here that are in training, and there's more to come. And they're in training for ministerial roles. You know, and I'm not, I, listen, you know, I told Philip this morning, I told him, I said, you know, I've been around two types of coaches in my life, two types of leaders. One type of leader, Cameron, takes great pride in what he or she accomplished themselves. And, and often, they're often beating everybody over the head with it. It's always about them. Yeah, it's that. But, it, it's, but here's the thing, I'm not that type of leader. Or I don't want to be. I think that the greatest type of coach, the greatest type of leader is now he is, you, you know, it's just like this. And I've heard him do it. And I, and I want to say, dude, we're not paying you about what you did 20 years ago. We're paying you to bring these boys to a brand new level or to bring these girls and get them out there performing. 
You know, I'm not paying you because you were all-star 25 years ago. And I've seen that. But I've seen the top, and I was, I've seen the tops of coaches and the top of leaders, and they understand their role as an empowerer and an equipper and an enabler. And they take great pride not any longer in their accomplishments, but in the accomplishments of the layer of people that work underneath them and beside them. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't say underneath as a sense of subservient type of statement. It's where God, but God has order. Amen? And I want to be that type of leader, Gina, that my greatest pride, that if I'm going to take pride or any level, it's going to be in, in those that are ministering along with me, that have grown up underneath, under, under the ministry God has given Sandy and me, and I take the greatest pride in that. And it's really awesome, Linda, when you can just sit down at times and enjoy that. I was telling Philip this morning, there, there are certain points uh, I've coached a long time, and I know some of y'all get sick of hearing all my coaching analogies, but you just have to get sick of it because that's my life. That's a big part of my life. And I think it's, you know, uh, somebody said, how do you pastor, preach, and teach? How do you do all that? I say, because it's all similar. It's all really, really very similar in nature. You're encouraging, you're equipping, you're helping people improve and come together as a unit. And that, you know, whether you're teaching a class preaching, pastoring a church, or coaching a ball team. It's all very similar. You know, and I can think, I was telling Philip this morning, I can think of a few great moments, and I can, like I said, there's also the reverse of that, but I can think of some few great moments of sitting down on the bench, Wallace, and my team playing at such a degree. Man, you just sit back, and you ain't got a worry in the world. You just sit back and watch them go. And uh, that's a great joy as a pastor, too, is you just can sit back at a time and you can watch your people go amen and you can glory in you know you can glory see that's what a pastor needs to be he doesn't need to be so what's the word so lacking in self-assurance that he can't enjoy the successes of those around him amen well, what if somebody gets up and preaches a better sermon than you do, do hallelujah <laughs> i am excited about it I had somebody, and I didn't send, but I had a person, and it, it was so precious, sent me a text last Sunday. And it was, you know, it was a commendation on the sermon last week, you know. But I enjoyed the, the kids' play a lot more than I did my sermon last week. But they made a comment, and, and you know what, my, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't text this back, but here's the first thought in my head. I got five or six, I got five, five or six better preachers in this church than me. And I didn't text that back because I didn't want it to sound like false humility or something. And I just said, thanks. You know, but I do feel that way. And I'm excited that this church is filled with powerful men and women of God. And I'm here to encourage you in that. I'm here to lead. I'm here to guide. I'm here to give direction and to cast vision. Amen? But it ain't, it, it, it never will be. The purpose of just, you know, here's the thing. And you say, you might say, Jimmy, maybe you could hold back on the dancing a little bit. You kind of need to maintain your reputation. Forget it. I love to dance. I love to twirl. And, you know, Sandy and I were talking about this. Actually, if you, these guys put up a great set of worship for about 40 minutes. If you dug into that and went at it for 40 minutes, you know how many calories you'd burn? I know this is a dual as a secondary benefit. 
But if you went and praised and worshiped God with everything you had, danced and rejoiced, do you realize you'd probably burn two or 300 calories right off of your frame? That's a secondary blessing. You know, I, I was in church. I went to church. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Rod Parsley. Anybody ever heard of Rod Parsley? But I can remember the first time I ever went to Rod's church up in Columbus, Ohio. And I'll never forget, I saw this little lady, and I thought, she's doing calisthenics. I saw her. She was down there. She was going hard, you know, worshiping God. And it's really, I was kind of coming into stuff like that. Hadn't seen it like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what you can get out of worshiping God. And I want us to look at, at worship in a little different light and how Abel worshiped. Here's what the Bible says. If it, uh, we're in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're in Hebrews 11, verse 1. I want to say this. Beyond it, faith is substantive and it's evidence-based in you. You see what I'm saying? Faith, there has to be some kind of, it's not good enough for somebody to just stand up and say, well, I, I believe in God, or wear a cross around their neck. True faith has substance to it in your life every time. There's going to be, in other words, if there was a lawyer in charge of your case, and they were going to convict you to be a, as a Christian, there's going to have to be some substantive evidence there that they can work with to bring about a Christian conviction. Faith has substance, and it is evidence-based. And we're going to see in the life. Here's the thing. We're going to look at seven or eight different people, maybe more. I'm not sure where this is going to end over the next few weeks. And we're going to examine various expressions of faith. And I want to say this. No two are exactly the same. Now, here's the thing. Faith is not going to show up in any two people's lives exactly the same. And it's all right. God is not a carbon copy God, and he's not a cookie-cutter God. What's that mean? It's all right that, that there are some variances in ways of worship. There's variances in callings on people's lives. But what we need to do is not try to, not try to have our own little set system or criteria that we judge everybody's faith by. Amen. I've said this before. One of, my, uh, one of my greatest heroes in the faith is my wife. But she don't worship just exactly like I do. She don't do. She, she's a little quieter in her walk with God. She's a lot different. But, but I live with her day to day. And I've seen a great substance and evidence in her life for love and commitment to God. Especially in the way she's loved me, loved her family, and served those little kids. That for 32 years she's taught with excellence. You know? And, and what I'm saying is we cannot cookie-cutter faith. We cannot do that. And with Abel, we're going to see a little di different something in Abel that we see in Moses. Now, I want you to look. I'm not going to really hit hard on verses 2 and 3 right now. I'm going to read them to set context. But I want to get down to verse 4 and stay there for a few minutes and get you out of here and get us on to Pizza Hut by around noon or so. But it says, it says, for by it, for by faith, verse 2, the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I'm going to take that verse and I'll preach you a whole sermon on that. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
But now let's look at verse 4. By faith. Everybody say by faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Okay? Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Okay? God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. There's a lot of different ways we can go with this. I'm not going, I've preached, my main sermons I've ever preached on Abel was that his blood spoke from the ground and that the blood of Jesus Christ spoke a better thing than his blood. I've preached that sermon many times. I'm not going to necessarily dwell on that today. I want to look at what he offered. You see, faith is about offering to God in excellence. Amen? about offering to God in excellence. Let's go, let's go to the very story. Let's go back to Genesis 4 and take a look at this for a minute. Genesis 4, back to the beginning. And let's look at this story about how Abel offered to God in excellence. I want to say this. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to God, but the end there, there's a way that seems right to man, but the ends thereof is death. Now, I'm going to be very clear to you. Cain, listen, Cain was religious. Okay? He was religious, but he wanted to do it his way. He wanted to be religious his way. Let's look. Now, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Cain was the firstborn, and said, I have acquired a man from the, from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, it's interesting. If you look up in the word, in the the Hebrew language, the word for respect there is the Hebrew word shahal, and it means to gaze at or to inspect. In other words, God gazed favorably upon what Abel brought but he did not. He literally would turn his face away from, from he, he, he gazed favorably upon what Abel brought, but he turned his face from Cain's offering. Why? Because here is the truth. Abel brought, according to the revealed word of God at that time, what the offering was supposed to be. Cain did not. Cain wanted to do it his way. But it's interesting to note, Wallace, there is no Bible then. So you say, well, how did they know? And I've often thought this through in my mind. How did they know, Linda? How did they know? How did Cain not know he was doing the right thing? He was bringing, doesn't it kind of make sense? He was bringing of his work and laying it. But here's the thing. You see, let me, let, me, let me explain something to you. They didn't have a Bible, but they had the teachings of their parents. Think with me. They had no Bible, but Adam and Eve... We're teaching their kids, I believe, 
and explain to them how God had dealt with them. You know what? We give Adam a hard time, but I believe Adam lived I believe Adam lived a godly life after what all happened. I believe Adam and Eve because the Bible tells us that God came, God 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 dealt with them over what they did. He did cast them out of the garden, but there's no record Adam didn't live a life that was centered on God after that. There is no record that he didn't. And I, I tend to believe that he did. I tend to believe that he began to raise his family the best way he knew how. And I believe this, that Adam and Eve taught their sons the way that God dealt with them. I believe this, Adam and Eve taught them and, and told their kids of how they failed and how they missed it. How they, Eve said, I'll do it my way. See, there's the thing. God, listen, God told Adam, what did he tell him? And told Eve, said, you can eat of anything in this garden. But leave that alone. Do not eat of that. And what did Satan come and say? God's trying to cheat you out of something. Why don't you do it your way? Let me suggest another way. Isn't that the way life is? I want you to think, our lives come down to decisions like that. Are we going to do it God's way? Or are we going to do it our way? And you know what? Can I say this? Abe Cain was just as religious as Abel. Just as religious. You know why? He showed up for worship. He was there at church. But the difference was he discarded the teachings of his parents. He laid aside the loving teachings of mom and dad. And he decided to worship God in his own way. You see, Abel, the Bible says, brought an excellent sacrifice to God. Why? Because Abel says, I'm going to fully follow. I am going to express my belief in God by following him out to the T. And what, 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 what Cain was saying, well, you know what? Surely you're going to accept. I'm worshiping you too, but I'm going to do it my way. If it, surely he's a God of love. Surely he'll love both of us. I'm doing the, you know, I'm bringing, I'm bringing an offering. And that's pretty much what we say today. God, here's what we say. God, we will live any daggone way we want to. Now you bless it. Am I right or am I wrong? Now, I know, listen, you get in the modern-day seeker-sensitive atmosphere, they're not going to like this because it's a little dabble, do you? You're going to do whatever you want to and come ask God for forgiveness. I've had people say that to me. I've had them say that to me. And I'll be, I'll be downright honest. It's in, it's in the realm of, 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 of living a pure life sexually. Had somebody say it to me the other day. Well, I'll just go on and sleep around outside of marriage. But God will forgive that. I'm going to tell you, you're offering the offering of Cain. What you're doing, you're wanting to bring an offering and do it your way and ask God to bless it. I know it got really quiet in here. God demands spiritual purity out of us morally. We are living in a generation that's, that's falling by the wayside very quickly. We are living, let me tell you something, Friday a dictate was handed down to us as, 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 as school leaders that if it plays out as normal, that, that, that anybody anytime is going to be able to go in any bathroom. It's called transgender. It's called transgender. And we're getting ready to, if, if, if the powers that be, then, then school officials have to face that. We need to pray against that. Because what is it again? It's a nation shaking its fist in God's face and saying, we'll do it the way we want to. Now you bless it. You keep us protected. Can I tell you something right now? 
that we have seen. The church was, well, God's cursed America. No, he's not cursed America, but here's what he's doing. He is lifting his protective hand off and he's telling leaders. He's telling a Supreme Court. He is telling a president. He is telling a Congress, go ahead and do it your way, but my blessing will not remain. And I will lift my hand of protection off of you. You know, the Bible says this. The Holy Spirit has a restraining force. There is a restraining element of the Holy Spirit when it comes to evil. You understand that? The Bible talks about the spirit of Antichrist slowly creeping in. And pretty much as we near the coming of Christ, we're going to see a time when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. And the Bible says that he who now hinders will at one point not hinder the, the spirit of the enemy anymore. The, the, the spirit, Holy Spirit, there's going to come a time where he's literally taken out of the earth for a season. And the spirit of the enemy will be allowed to run rampant. But I'm going to tell you what, we're going to be out of here. Because let me tell you something, we couldn't be here. Because if we're here, the Holy Spirit's here. So do you know what that means? The church is taken out, and I'm glad to tell you right now. But here's the thing. I'm not living my life as an escapist. I want to do everything I can do while I'm on this earth to make a difference and to make a change. And when God says it's time to go, it's time to go. That's why when you hang around here, I'm not saying I'll never preach on it, but, but I don't have the gift in ministry of breaking down all the secrets of Revelation. And I won't spend a whole lot of time doing it. I'm going to tell you why. In my own thinking, Jesus said this. He said, boy, because the boys want to know. I'm talking about the disciples. I'm calling them the boys. Excuse me if I'm being disrespectful. But the boys wanted to know. When are you coming back? When are you going to say? He said, don't worry about that. You occupy till I come. You go and you do the, you heal, you preach the gospel, you heal the sick, you cast demons out. You do the work, you spread life. Everywhere there's death, you spread life, and when I come, I'll come. And don't you worry about it. I'll jerk you out of here quicker than you can blink your eye. <laughs> Amen? So I don't, here's what, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Because certain people, for instance, Perry Stone has a great gift for teaching in that realm. Okay? It's just not mine. Okay? So I'm not saying anything wrong with it. But here's what I'm saying. Even anytime we don't get to get so preoccupied with it, we forget we're living here. Amen? We forget we're, li I, I'm really not, I, I'm really not. And some people, oh man, uh, don't get on Revelations. It makes me scared. Why would it make you scared? We are victorious. We are victors. Let me tell you something. What, what ought to make us scared is being like Cain and deciding to go our own way. And we want God to bless it. Are y'all with me? That was the very crux of Cain's issue. I will serve God, but I'm going to do it on my own terms. I'm going to do it in my own way. But the Bible says Abel offered to God an excellent sacrifice. What does that mean? Let me explain just a minute. It means he fully and completely, fully and completely Brought himself in confirmation, brought himself into confirmation with the revealed word of God. And that was through his parents. I want to say this for a minute. You know, we, we lived through a generation of the 60s. What did the 60s generation say? We're going to cast off all the teaching of our parents. Free love, 
peace and love, do your own thing. And, and here's what we did. They danced around. They put their little flowers around their head. If some of y'all did that, I'm sorry. I probably, we all did it in our own way. Some of y'all probably did that. So forgive me. You're here now. It's under the, it's under the blood. But we danced around the altar of sex and perversion. We danced around the, the altars of drugs and alcohol. We danced around the, listen, here was their term, free love. Free love. It's just love, honey. What does it matter? I'll love you today, and then I'll love you tomorrow. Then I'll love you. Love, let me tell you something. Love is not about emotion. Love is about commitment. Love is not about just having some kind of... There is an emotional high in love. There is. There is a, 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 a physical excitement in love and intimacy. And God created that that way. But he says, I created it within the context of a commitment of one man and one woman. Not one man and one man and not one woman, and one, but one man and one woman in the context of holy marriage. Amen? And when it's there, it's the most incredible, one of the most incredible things God created. In fact, it mirror images the relationship of God to us, if we can handle that. That intimacy is a, is a mirror image of how God wants to relate to us. Jesus said, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. I'm in you, you're in me. That's the intimacy God wants with us. God, listen, let me tell you something. The you know that the very same word, now listen, everybody, well, don't everybody get offended. But when you look at the, at, at, the, at the Hebrew words for the word, referring to God's word, it is the same word in connection to human sperm. Golly, God, that, thing, that thing hit like a lead brick in here. But it's the fact. It's the truth. Because, see, you've got to have a church that's allowing the Holy Spirit to plant in pure word. To create life. Not be just emotions. Not just, see, life is created as that is implanted in a womb. You see, we talked about last week, God wants a prayer room in the church. Well, you know how life comes? When God can implant the pure word, the spermazoa, into the womb of the church. And in the womb, we begin to pray out what God places in. We do it God's way, not just ours. See, that's the difference. Let me tell you something. Let's look at some facts. Do you realize God didn't kill Cain? Cain would kill his brother. Cain, when he would come to a full realization that what he did was religious, but it was not obedient. See, that's what Cain, uh, Sister Rebecca, he, had the, he came to that reality. What he did was religious, but it wasn't obedient. There's a difference. You can be very religious, but that's not the issue. Are you obedient? You see, do you live? Are you, wanting to, are you going to do what God's word says? Or are you going to do what you say and want God to bless it? That's the very crux of this story. And see, that's what true faith is about. 
True faith is not just saying, God, I believe you. But true faith is living a substantive life where your life lines up with what you believe. And you offer God something he can work with. You offer God something according to his word, not according to your feelings. Or according to how you want to do it. See, some of us, we want to pick this when we worship God. Or, you know, if, here's what we do. Brother Michael said earlier, if we have a good month financially, I'll tithe. But if trouble comes, God, would you bless my 50 cents? Got real quiet on that one, too. See, it's not a thing. It, it's consistency God's after. It's consistency God's after. See, let me tell you something. That's why the Bible says you are to offer the sacrifice of praise. Do you realize that your obedience is an act of worship? I want you to think about something. We'll talk even more about this later. Do you remember the, the, the really interesting thing that Abraham said when he would go take his son to be offered? He said this. He said, you all wait here, and me and the lad are going to go there and worship. I want you, can you think, can you imagine offering your only child and calling that worship? Can you imagine, can anybody in here even faintly, faintly connect to that? But Abraham said this, Abraham knowing what he was going to have to do, but Abraham knowing this, Linda, if I do put the knife, God will raise him up. God will do what only God can do. If you will listen, if you do what only you can do, then God will do what he can do. But let me tell you something. It, there, the whole time Abraham walked up one side of the mountain, there was a ram coming up the other. There was a ram with a name on him, and his name was Jehovah Jireh. Not God, the God that provides. But here's the thing. If you don't provide what you can, God will not provide the thing he's going to provide. His, your provision meets his provision on the mountaintop. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what some of us say. Well, me and my boy, we'll go up and we'll raise our hands toward God, but I'm not going to do. See, Abraham didn't say that. He just said, we're just both going to go up, raise our hands, and worship. No, he he bound his boy upon the altar and the knife was pulled back. And then God spoke. Somebody saying, then God spoke. It would have been really easy, wouldn't it, if we'd have got to the top and God spoke. But the knife was pulled back. And then God spoke. See, some of you need to lay the knife to some of the ways you live. Some of you need to lay the knife. Some of us, let me say, I don't like to say some because I'm in this too. Many of us need to lay the knife to some relationships in our life that are not productive. Many of us need to lay the knife to some things we're doing that don't line up with God. And we're not going to have God's provision unless we do because we've got to offer the sacrifice of Abel. I want to tell you something. God didn't kill Cain. Abel died, but you know Cain didn't. But I want you to listen to what happened. Listen to this. Listen to this. Let's go on and read. In, uh, where did I leave off? Verse, let's go verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will you not be accepted? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, listen to this, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Now, I want you to think about something. We decide, listen, we decide we're going to do what we want to. Well, I'll tell you what, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing, nothing, wrong, with, uh, nothing wrong with getting drunk on Saturday night and coming to church on Sunday. I can even, you know what, in this day and time, Wallace, we can even mess around with some, re we call it recreational drugs. I'll do some recreational drug use, but I'll be at church on Sunday. Y'all think I, that's, that's reality. Or here's the big one that's circulated through the church. Well, it's not really conducive for us to get married right now. We'll just live together and show up on Sunday to church and expect God to bless it. God will not bless that. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about in the church. Now, see, here's what we don't need to do. We don't need to bring ourselves, our righteousness and try to slam it on them. They need to get saved. There's where we got to draw a distinctive and a line. Here's the problem. Paul, listen, Paul wasn't disturbed. He said, you got to live in the world. The problem is, though, when the world's in the church, it's not, you don't need to beat some poor sinner upside the head that he's living with somebody. Or out. He know, listen, he knows he's out and sinning. He and she probably, deep down inside, they know they're going to, they need the love of Jesus. When I'm talking about people that say, I'm God's and I serve God, but I'm going to bring an offering, but it's going to be my way. God won't bless it. He will not. Let me tell you what it does. It leads to death. What happened? Abel died his brother was killed he would have to live can i tell you something the people in the bible mike are real they're not some uh uh cardboard cutout heroes that did not have feet he would have to live the rest of his life with the reality that he took his brother's life let me say this God said this. God, there was a curse. Let, 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 me, let me read it to you. Let's go on. The Bible says, Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Oh, let me, let me, uh, there's one other thing I was supposed to do. Sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. There's going to be one or two ways with sin. Sin's going to rule over you, or you're going to rule over it. And here's the thing when you will fully follow God to, every, to, to his word, you're going to rule over sin. But when you choose, I'm going to do it halfway, I'm going to do it half-hearted, I'm going to do it according to my emotions. And God, you know what's going to happen. Now sin is going to rule over you. And sin has one end, and that is death. It has one final end, and that is death. You're saying, preacher, you're preaching kind of hard this morning. Well, listen, let me tell you something. And I ain't the kind of preacher that wants to take all the fun out of living. I believe in living and living full. But here's the thing. I'm going to live. When you live and live according to God's plan, you live a full, complete life. When you do it God's way. I don't care to tell you she's not there this morning. I, listen, let me tell you something. I, you know what? In my mind... I committed a lot of sin. I did. But physically, I've been with only one woman in all my life, and that's Sandy Bonnie. 
And the longer I do, the sweeter it grows. There's a song, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Well, the longer I married to Sandy Bonnie, the sweeter she grows. What are you talking about? I'm talking about when we first started, we was clawing each other's eyes out. We were. We were. It wasn't perfect in any way, form, or fashion. And if she would have told everything she could have told on me, honey, I'd probably be behind bars. Wallace shook his hand. He's with me. I got one other guy with me today. But she didn't. Here's the thing. We stuck it out. And she told me. You know what Sandy told me? She says, no matter what, through thick and thin, my mama stuck out her relationship. Stuck it out. And because Sandy would not turn from the teaching of her mommy and her daddy. And I wouldn't either. Our marriage got healed. You see, here's the thing. When two people come together, you bring two fractured lives together. And a marriage brings healing into two people's lives. And you accept the fractures. You accept all the mess, Philip. You expect, you, 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 you receive all the mess. And then, over time, God can heal things, Rebecca. As you stay committed to each other. You ain't been married long, but I'll guarantee you, you don't have to shake your head, but I'll guarantee you there's been a thousand thoughts how the grass could be greener on the other side. And you're right. But let me tell you something, honey, honey child. There's some green grass over there, but you take one step in it, and soon your foot's going to fall down into the poo-poo that made that grass green. That's true. <laughs> but that's right. But the grass isn't greener. The grass is greener on the other side, but you fail to see all the crap that's underneath that green grass. You should, well, let me tell you something. Some preacher needs to step up and talk this way because we're living in a society that has lost all moral direction. We're living and we're serving under a government. And we're serving, I'm going to be honest, we are serving under a Supreme Court that's beginning to lose all moral direction. And you better be careful and you better pray how you vote. I'm going to tell you something. They came off with a decision out of the Supreme Court changing the definition of marriage and I watched if you will go back you will if you will be honest and you'll see things with spiritual eyes you will see how God lifted his hand of protection off of this country in certain ways and then we've got even churches that ordain people that are living alternate lifestyles, and they ordain them. Now, what are you saying? You, no, let me tell you something. Let me be very clear. Debbie Rising called me one time, and she said there was two. She told me there are two ladies living an alternative lifestyle, and they want to come to this church. I said, bring them on. We will tell them God loves them. We will preach to them the love of God, but I will not tell them what they're doing is right. And I will not try to take the stamp of right and put it on wrong. I'm not going to offer God a sacrifice that is religious, but it is not in line with what he says. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
And you say, man, why are you wasting God's time to talk about sex? Let me tell you something about sex and all that stuff right there. That, let me tell you what it's like. It's like a wonderful fire. And here it is. Here's the fire. Let me, you, you know what, you're, I like this because I'm a guy that loves it. Anybody here like a fire? Boy, me and Harlan were buddies, but we got up to Aldersgate together a few years ago, and man, he built the most incredible fire on them fire. Me and him become greater buddies right then, because I like a man can build a great fire. Sex is like an incredible fire. And when it's in the fireplace of marriage between one man and one woman, it is amazing. It's warm, it's beautiful, and it's incredibly warming. It's aesthetic. It's beautiful. Now, it's not for everybody to see. It's for that man and that woman. But here's the thing. You, Cameron, you take that same fire. You've been in my, you've been in the house tonight. I got a good fire going, haven't you? This guy I love. For you know, yeah, Riley knows. I love it, don't I, Riley? I love to sit by it. Here's the thing. If I take a shovel and I take just one shovel of that fire out and I put it out in my living room, and I walk upstairs. Within 15 minutes, Dickie, everything I know and love is gone. It's gone. Because the fire was taken out of its rightful place. Understand? It just, then, what was meant to be precious, what was meant to extend life, and listen to this, I'm not going to lie, what was meant for pure enjoyment destroys everything it touches when it's out of its rightful place. It burns you. Here's what the Bible says. Cameron, here's what the Bible says. That it's the only sin that really is against your own body. And I don't know what exactly cause you think, well, isn't, you know, drug addiction, yes, it is. Again. But there's something there that, the, and I really, I, I don't even know everything to say about it right now. But Paul said it is a sin that is against somebody's own body body and it's against the body of Christ you see it's time we quit bringing half offerings to God and saying God you worship it now here's the thing listen to this here's my next question here's the question the church asks now can I do that and still be saved I've had preachers come to me can I can I go out and drink a little bit on Friday night and still be saved? Or get drunk? My countenance falling. I don't know what to say. I do know what to say. Let me show you something. Listen. Let's go on with this story. Listen. Listen to this. Verse 9, then the Lord cried to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, why have you done, why have you, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Listen, so now, here's what he says. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. 
Everybody say this. Can I still be saved? Will God, somebody say, will God still love me? Somebody say it. Will God still love me if I do it my way? Yes, he will. But listen, listen to this. And I'm going to summarize it for you. It's too great for me, God. Verse 14. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a, this is, this is Cain talking. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord, listen to this. And a Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now get this. Here's what I say to the Christian that wants to come to me and say, what if I bring a half offering? Just a little bit, but God, you bless it. I'll live by this word. I will, I will come to church on Sunday, but the other six days I'll live any way I want to. And here's what God says. Tell you what. You're going to be marked. You're going to be marked, but you're not going to be productive. That's what God said to Cain. I've got a mark on you. You're still my son. But you're going to live under a curse. Well, that don't apply to today. Here's the thing. Jesus lifted the curse of disobedience off of you. But what's going to happen when you full face walk back into it? God says you're marked, but you will be unproductive. You will be unproductive. What you touch will not work out. Whew. I know this ain't the usual rip-roaring Jim Bonnie sermon. God's kind of changing me. <laughs> Thank you, darling. I know. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We have got to come to reality with life. And realize that God has a plan. And when you live according to that plan, you'll be blessed. But if you decide to take it your own way and go your own direction... You're going to have to live with the consequences. God's going to be there to pick you up. But the destruction is going to occur regardless. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, we invite you to make that decision today. Or, if you're just searching for the next step that God has for you, visit our website at cwcirvinky.com. There you'll find resources to help you with your specific needs. If this ministry has touched your life in any way, send us an email at connect at cwcirvinky.com and take a minute to share your story with us. We would love to hear from you about how God has changed your life. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that God would continue to bless you throughout the rest of your week.